Well, welcome back, Bible readers. Um, this is the Rooted Podcast, and we are going to get into the month of September. And we've already started the month of September, and the focus of um, how we're relating to Jesus is Jesus the coming King. And last week, uh, we talked about that. We talked about those passages related to Jesus as the coming King. The rest of the month of September, we're going to be going through uh, the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, I think we even have Haggai today. And so uh, the point of this study, and this is a rather long one because this will continue throughout the whole month of uh, September, the rest of the month of September, is to kind of describe what's happening, what's going on to the people of Israel as they come back to the land. So they've been exiled for 70 years, and they're going to come back to the land. So the reading is also set into a chronological fashion as well, so you kind of understand. Uh, and I tried as best I could to kind of lead you through in a chronological way so you can kind of stay with the story, because sometimes things jump back and forth. Um, so we just have to be careful with that. Also, don't forget, at any time, you can send any questions you might have to Bible reading at lmbc.org. And uh, we'll be glad to answer those questions as soon as we can and get them back to you. Or again, if it's something related to what we're talking about, we might be able to answer it live here on the podcast as well. So this week we have um, a little bit of reading from the book of Ezra and some, some from Haggai. And we have a little bit that you're supposed to read from Esther. Now, we might not be able to get to that this week. Uh, we'll see towards the end of the podcast if we have time. But if not, we'll be sure to get to it next week. Um, but this week we're going to spend some time here in, in Ezra as well as the book of Haggai. And so, um, so Bill, talk to me about some of the hard things. We were talking earlier about the historical understanding of, of the book of Ezra, because sometimes, as you said, people just get and read, start reading their Bible, and they kind of get lost in some of the details and lost in some of these things because of the historical context. Oh, well, actually, we start out here in, uh, in Ezra, and, we, and we're looking at uh, Cyrus the king. This is the first uh, return uh, back to Jerusalem. Uh, but, you know, I think we have to look, go back and we have to understand, you know, that uh, the nation uh, was actually one nation at one time, and then it got divided. Uh, the northern tribes, they, they abandoned God, and they went off and do their own thing. And they were uh, actually taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Okay. And, uh, and then while they were in Assyria, it would, the land was all desolate there. And, but yet Assyria had a different way of, dealing with these situations. Yeah. They, they yeah. sent some of their own people in to try to deal with the land, and, but they found that they, they, couldn't, they couldn't do very much with it. Uh, matter of fact, they were being attacked by a lot of animals and everything. Yeah. And so they asked the king of Syria, hey, send some of these dudes back down here to help us understand how they were living in this place and, and uh, what to do. And so they did. And, of course, then... Uh, after they got down there, they began to intermarry and everything, and then we find that's where the Samaritans, that's where it became Samaria. And uh, so uh, that created issues, as we all know. We can see that through the New Testament and all. But then the, uh, uh, the southern kingdom, which was Judah, yep. uh, the interesting thing was that, that God told uh, Jeremiah, uh, that, you know, he was bringing up Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, my servant. And, you know, you, you read that, and you think, well, wait a minute, Nebuchadnezzar didn't believe in God. Now, how could he make him his servant? Well, yeah. we find that God can use anybody. And uh, so he did, he used Nebuchadnezzar to, to take these people um, into captivity in Babylon. Yeah. But now, 
the southern kingdom, uh, we'll find the reason they were taken was Jeremiah told us that in Jeremiah chapter 25. Yep. He tells us that the uh, Lord of hosts said, because you have not heard my word, you've not kept my word, you've uh, departed from my word. And they didn't keep the Sabbath. Uh, they thought, well, you know, we can just use that Sabbath, to, you know, to raise something else or to do something better and, and actually make more money or to better ourselves. And, and so they abandoned the Sabbath. And, and uh, God says, you, you've not listened to my words. You're not following me. And so he raised up Nebuchadnezzar in order that he might uh, go in and overtake the southern kingdom and take these people into captivity. And we're told that, um, according to Jeremiah, if you look at Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, we're told that that first year of Cyrus, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually written there. And you go back to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was talking about 70 years of exile. Mm-hmm. So if we go back even a step further to think about this, think about the first king of Israel. You've got Saul, David, and Solomon. Mm-hmm. After Solomon, the kingdom split into split. two. You've got the ten tribes of the north, and you've got the two tribes in the south. Right. As Bill said earlier, the ten tribes of the north, Assyria eventually comes in and takes them away. Later on, we know those in the New Testament, they intermarry and become the Samaritans. And so now you have two tribes that are left. So after the first tribes go into captivity, about 100 years or so later, we're talking about 600 B.C., around time of when we're talking here, you have these two tribes left. You've got the tribe of Benjamin, and you've got the tribe of Judah. And actually, it says that in Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. It says the enemies of Judah and Benjamin. Okay, so they're the southern kingdom. A pastor would say something about the south here at this point oh, if he yeah. were in the broadcast yeah. as well. But, but these are the southern kingdoms. And what's important is, is these two are going to be taken into exile. These two kingdoms are going to be the ones that come out of exile and start to rebuild the temple and start to reestablish themselves in the land in the book of Ezra. Now, the significance of Judah and Benjamin is where Jesus would come from, because Jesus would come from the tribe of Judah. So after they're in exile for 70 years, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, um, I studied a lot about that. I wrote my doctoral dissertation on some of that in, in the book of Daniel. So if you want the book, you can get online and get the book. Um, but, but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But um, here, we're ta- we, they're, they're coming back to the land. And you would think that, Bill, after 70 years in exile, that they would start, start out right. And they would, you think that you know, the final uh, straw, as it were, when, when after all the punishment and things they didn't do right, expelled from the land. So, hey, when it's time to come back to the land, you'd think they'd be like, mm-hmm. the people that are on the... On the um, uh, on the uh, airplane, and, and they're so scared, and they get off the airplane, and they kiss, they the, kiss ground. the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they come off of it, yeah. you think they'd be like that when they come back, but oh. we're kind of told that they they weren't. Kind of, if you read down through yeah. chapters one and chapters two, it seems like this. It seems like God is supplying everything they need to do to get back on track. Yeah, I mean, if you read through chapter one, I think it's interesting. You know. He stirs the hearts of the priests in verse 5 to rebuild the temple. Mm -hmm. Their neighbors even assist them by giving them things. As Bill said, the articles that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, now they're brought back. Think about that. And I was thinking about this. Nebuchadnezzar himself had taken those articles of gold from the temple 70 years ago. He had put them in his treasury, and nobody except for Belshazzar decided to use them. Uh, to mess with them. So God had preserved, he used Nebuchadnezzar to preserve those temple vessels because he knew that the 70 years of exile after it, they need to restart things. So they don't need to 
fashion new temple vessels. I'm sure some of the things they did, but it says in all, there was all, almost 5,400 articles of gold and silver that were brought back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, chapter 2 talks about the people that came back. Even you had priests. They knew who the priests were. They knew who, who the temple servants were. Mm. Everything is set up. Right. You know, everything is prepared. I mean, God's giving them everything they need to do to get started. And I just think as you read through there and you see all the details and different things going on, God really wants them to get started back on track. But the sad thing is, is they do, but they struggle at first, don't they? The interesting thing about it, too, is that, the, you know, the, the return was in like three parts. Yeah. Uh, just as the yep. de- deportation was in like three parts. Yes. And Daniel was in that first yep. first group that were deported. And, of course, Daniel in chapter 9, he talks about this thing with Jeremiah. Yep. He, he was searching those books. And yeah, he was because looking. He his time was almost over. He wanted to know how long is this yeah. going to be. And he found that Jeremiah told him 70 years. Yep. And so... Uh, and I think but, Daniel was probably thinking like, okay, Lord... Yeah, it's getting close. It's getting close to seventy years here. Let me let me undertake a study, of Jeremiah, just to make sure that I'm. Oh, I read what I what was right. What I read, you know, I want to make sure. And and it's just kind of interesting with that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but the interesting thing that I found was that there was only about fifty thousand. Yeah. Of these people went back. Now I mean that's out of a group of what a million or two million. At Jews? least. At least. And yeah. only fifty thousand wanted to go back. Yeah, and I'm and of course it was the right ones. We know that God directed these heart, the hearts of these to yes, go back. Yes, yes, it they did. Were to do something, the very first thing they were to do was and, to rebuild temple. And even that is kind of, kind of strange. God had to tell them, "You can go back now." Yeah. Like, wouldn't their hearts always be wanting to go back, be longing to go back? Should've You'd been. think they yeah, would be, but it, it says that God had directed them, or God. Uh, cause them to want to go back. It's kind of funny. Well, I think how they... what, what happened was that a lot of these people began to progress and begin to become wealthy mm-hmm. uh, and everything, yeah. and they, they became satisfied where they were. Yep. And I think it's a lesson for us that we need to be careful because if we get too close to the world, we might become satisfied with the world and we might forget about doing what God wants us to do. I mean, there are a lot of people that did not come back no. from Babylon, and but they didn't all die. We also <laughs> find, too, though, that because they were wealthy, because they did progress and had some money, they were able to fund a lot yep. of... A lot exactly. Of That's a good point. That's a they good got point. to send monies back and yep. help, help with all of this. So. And God provided that means for them to be able to do that. Right. I mean, if you look at the end of... Uh, Chapter 2, verse 69, and each leader gave as much as he could. Yep. The total of their gifts came to 61,000 gold coins. I don't know how, that much, how much that is in today's language. Uh, 6,250 pounds of silver, 100 robes for the priests. Those are you know, costly. So they were able to provide some of the things going back. So again, again, you can see how God's providing everything they need to get things back started. So in chapter 3, we find that early autumn here, September, October of our time, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, they assembled with a unified purpose to, okay, we've got to lay the foundations of the temple. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they decided to do, though, is to rebuild the altar. The altar and I think it's interesting they put it on its old site, which is the very site that it would have been on to begin with. Absolutely. And that's amazing. That's the main find thing that. was that the first thing they did was actually to go back to worship. Yeah. 
And that was the important part, to worship. Yeah, because they celebrated some of the other festivals as well. They celebrated the Festival of Shelters, the New Moons. Mm -hmm. Verse 6 says, 15 days the priests began to sacrifice to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. That's Mm -hmm. verse 6 of chapter 3. So even before that was laid, they already, like you said, went back. with. So they're going back good. God's given them everything they need to to start back well and to start and to stay on track. And they hire, in verse 7, it talks about how they hire masons and carpenters and, and, and to try to get the work done. And so the construction of the temple began in mid-spring um, during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. And again, the workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from the exile, including some of the leaders there. And it talks about the Levites, 20 years and older, who are put in charge of rebuilding the temple and, and different things like that. And so, you know, they start to lay the foundations of the temple. And, uh, um, and, and when the foundations are laid, everybody's excited, right? Well, everybody's happy, right? Everybody's <laughs> excited, but uh, the older folks, they were not as excited as the younger folks. Yeah, they said, well, this isn't as grand and as glorious as what I, we remember. See, these guys had been, been there and saw the old temple. Yeah. They knew what it looked like. But the younger people that came up in captivity there in those 70 years, they'd never seen that. Yeah. And to them, that was, wow, oh, that was great. You know, but, but, uh, I don't yeah, think. They, they came together, though, to, to produce and to make this, uh, to start to work anyway. I don't, the work gets halted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there'll be any temple that was, uh, you know, earthly temple that was more glorious than Solomon's temple was. Uh, with all the work that's, I mean, it, it what did Scripture say? Seven years yes. they were building it? Yeah. yeah. Seven years they were building his temple? Of course, he spent longer building his own house, too. Yeah. Well, we find that that's <laughs> going to be something that's going to be brought up in, with these people yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for seven years he built and, and, of course, Solomon, they embellished everything. You know, of course, everything was huge. and and uh, But, yeah, the, the older ones here who saw Solomon's temple, they were disappointed. Yeah. And it says they were upset and they even wept because this was yeah, not like Solomon's temple. And, uh, but it says the joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far off in the distance. So you can hear both, you know, both, you know, whining and, and, and or excuse me, weeping and, and praising. Um, but anyway, and then, like you say, chapter four, okay, now the work starts to get to, or, or the work is going to be halted or hindered. Yeah. Guess who's going to hinder him? Yeah, the Samaritans. <laughs> I know that's 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 the point. Remember the guys we talked about earlier, the Assyrians that had gone into captivity. Okay, so they were starting to trickle back into the land because now that Judah and Benjamin were coming back into the land, and now we're starting to rebuild things. The Samaritans are starting to trickle back into the land because they're descendants of the Jews, and so they start trickling back into the land, and they realize and they see what's going on. Um, of course. What's interesting, though, is Ezra chapter 4, verse 1 says, The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard the exiles were rebuilding a temple. So according to the scriptures, it's actually calling these guys enemies. Yeah. You know? So they started to trickle back and say, hey, we want to help. We want to help with the rebuilding of the temple. And they say, sure, come on. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> you have no part in this. <laughs> yeah. So here's the question. So, so why do you think they would say that? Well, they wanted to hinder it. They wanted to hinder the work. I mean, I, th- I think we, we can go to Nehemiah and we see even when he was uh, repairing the, uh, the walls yeah. uh, that uh, Samballot and Tobiah, they wanted to, hey, let us help. You know, no, they just wanted to hinder the work. 
And uh, I think these folks here, they wanted to hinder the work as well. Do you I think, don't know why they would yeah. want to do that because, the, well, they were part Jews. Uh, they were a mixed race. Yeah. And, and there again, I think they had been influenced so much by the people they mixed with. The that, Assyrians, yeah. Yeah, the Assyrians, that they, they actually became, as you said, they I think, became enemies. You know, as I look, looked at this, because I, I had that question too, I think one of the... Um, I. I can't remember where I read it, but somebody was talking about this, and they said something to the nature of, you know, these Jews, Assyrians, you know, um, uh, Samaritans who had come back into the land. The reason why they were they were not allowed to help rebuilding is by, probably because they were um, into those idolatrous practices into Assyria and were probably worshiping those other gods. And so here, you know. Judah and Benjamin are saying, the southern kingdom are saying, we're building a temple to our God, to our one and only God. And yet the Assyrians want to come in and say, hey, we want to help rebuild your temple too. And they're saying, no, because you don't serve the one and only God. You don't have permission to help us. If you serve the one and only God, then okay, we'll let you help us. At least that's what one of the guys I was reading believed. It's interesting too that Cyrus didn't believe in God. Yeah. 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 Cyrus didn't believe in God. He he worshiped, what was it, uh, Baal and Nabal? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was very much a polytheist. He had a, he had a different way of dealing with these captives than what the Assyrians did. The Assyrians, you know, they uh, they just kind of kind of intermingled. But we'll find that Cyrus wanted to send people back to their original homes and everything in order that they might pray to their god that uh, Baal and, and Nabal would give him long life and allow him... <laughs> Doing anything he can to, to, to keep his power. Ensure and, the length of his tenure. That does not sound like any politicians today, does it? No. no nothing no. at all. He had a different way of dealing with things. Now, one of the things, if you don't stay with the text, you'll, you'll miss this, okay? And it's important because what's going to happen here is at the end of chapter 4 in Ezra, actually the... Um, uh, it kind of stops at chapter 4, verse 4. And we're talking about discouragement, these enemies of Judah and Benjamin. They're trying to prevent Israel from, from completing the work of the temple. Okay, so all the way to, to from chapter 4, you know, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, that's what's happening. So what happens now is in verse 6 of chapter 4 all the way to um, verse 23. Mm-hmm. What Ezra does is he says, hey, look, this idea of enemies opposing us, it's not new. It's happened before. And what happens is that he gives us an example of something that happens years later. Okay, mm-hmm. So it's not chronological. So chapter 4, verse 6 through 23 is kind of something that happens later. But what he's saying is that this later thing that happened is a form of persecution. It is a form of the people trying to stop us from completing God's work. So just like in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, there's people trying to stop them from completing God's work. So also in chapter 4, verse 6 through 23, here's another example, Ezra says, of people that are trying to prevent us from uh, finishing or doing God's work. And it's, a, it's something that happens later on, okay? Because then what happens is then, then you look at verse 24 of uh, chapter 4. It says, So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped, and it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius or Darius of Persia. Okay, So if you were to just take that section out and read chronologically, you go from chapter 4, verse 1 to 5, and then you jump to verse 24. Okay, So you could see that because it was the enemies of Judah and Benjamin in chapter 4, verse 1, that prevented them 
chapter 4, verse 24, from finishing the work on the temple. And so it remained at a standstill. Now, I'm not really going to talk about that section. Yeah. I just wanted to make that note of that because, like you said, sometimes there's a lot of things going on here. Going yeah. On. So I mean, they just. Look at, look at the difference in kingship. Yeah, yeah. The kingships really changed as well. So you probably noticed, you know, some of those things changed drastically. And that's why. So it's just trying to say, hey, here's another example mm-hmm. um, of it. So uh, to say that it's happened before, it's going to continue to happen. It's happened all throughout history, really. Well, I mean, there in in verse twenty one of chapter four, he says, "Therefore, the issue and order uh, order was issued that men should to stop, yeah, so that uh, this city will not be rebuilt in some <laughs> further degree." Yeah, and you know, this was this was a period of what fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah, that it, they, they halted in that. Yeah, so a total of sixteen years. Yeah. So think about that. So the temple is laid, or excuse me, the foundations are laid, and then for sixteen years it lays in ruins. Yeah. Can you imagine if a house, you know, as the foundations were laid and it just lays in ruin? Because you see that sometimes with people who maybe they lay the foundation of the house and they don't have enough money to continue on. So it lays in ruins. You're like, well, how long is it going to take them to finish, you know, to finish the project? Well, we're told that it takes a total of 16 years. And it says, you look at verse 5, or excuse me, chapter 5 of Ezra, verse 1. At that time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, it says they prophesied in the name of the of the God of Israel who's over them. Mm-hmm. And um, so what did Haggai, and, and Haggai is the one I had you read, not Zechariah. Zechariah is a little longer, but Haggai is just uh, two simple chapters. Yep. And and what Haggai did is, is if you think of Haggai, think of um, um, a good word for Haggai, but would be something of the, uh, in the idea of getting your priorities right, because that was the main problem. The problem was, is that the temple laid in ruins and the people really didn't care about it. They were concerned about their lives, themselves, their houses, as it says, instead of God's house. So every day when they walked to to work or wherever they walked to to go, every day they would walk by the temple. For 16 years, the foundations were laid. The altar was there, and they were probably still sacrificing, but the foundations were laid. And for 16 years, the Nothing was built on it for 16 long years. And Haggai prophesied, he says, listen, look what's happened. Consider your ways. Why is the temple of God in ruins? Yet you have your houses, and your houses are well built. And I think I even read one fella, and I think it's true. I have to look at some more details. But the materials and wood that were set aside for building the temple may actually have been used by the people to help furnish and help beautify and help... Lo- to, to make their houses more luxurious. Yeah. Um, so it might actually be taking what was set aside for the temple for their own personal gain. Yeah. I mean, and you walk by for 16 years and the temple lays in ruins. Again, God had given them everything. Everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> what did the Lord say to Haggai? He says, you know, you tell him, says, think carefully about your ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think carefully about what you're doing here. Yeah. And you know we need that sometimes oh. in our lives. We uh, we need you know pastor stands and he preaches and he shares the word of God and yeah. and and that's what he's sharing with us is we need to think carefully about our lives and how we're living uh, because you know we're held accountable. We're held accountable. Yeah. Well, you got two other guys here in chapter five, verse three, Tadaniah 
and this other guy, Shethar Bozenath. <laughs> Again, more complications. They're, they come and they say, well, who gave you permission to rebuild? Because after Haggai comes along and prophesies, uh, you know, we're told, I think, uh, about four or five years later, I think they start rebuilding. Yeah. They start, okay, we need to get back to work. And so then you have two other guys here that say, well, who gave you permission? Well, why are you rebuilding this? Who gave you permission to build this structure? Nobody told us because they're the leaders, leaders of the province. Of the and so, yeah, 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 yeah is, is well. And uh, so they send a letter to King Darius and say, let's, let's do a, a search in the records um, and see if this is true. Um, and they find in verse 13 of chapter 5, it says, However, King Cyrus of Babylon, during the first year of his reign, issued a decree that the temple of God should be rebuilt. And it talks about everything that they everything that they found out, and and therefore it says at the end of chapter five, if it pleases the king, we request that a search be made in the royal archives to discover whether Cyrus ever issued a decree. So they said, listen, we've been given this decree. We're not doing this because we just you know we've been given permission. And Cyrus did, and they tell everything that happened. So I said, okay, let's search the records to see if this is true. And you know, here's king, here's um. Darius, and you know, as a king, um, you know, he could have searched the records and been like, oh, "I'm sorry, we didn't find it," and maybe he did find it and didn't want to actually want complete to actually the, agree. yeah, agree to it. There, there's no guarantee yeah. that that king would actually have to honor that. Um, but he, in fact, what happens is he actually does honor it. Mm-hmm. And in chapter six, as you read that, it, you find out that um, um, that it's true. And furthermore, I love what Darius says. He's is King Darius. He sends back the message. In uh, verse 6 of chapter 6, it says, Now therefore, Tatnai, the governor of the province west of the Euphrates, and this other guy, and your colleagues, and the other officials west of the Euphrates, stay away from there. I'm reading NLT. Yeah. It says, Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its original site, and do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help these elders of the Jews, they rebuild this temple, and you must pay the full construction costs. Oh, yeah. So they're probably thinking, man, we shouldn't have said anything at all, but we had to open our mouths. And now, and in fact, what does it say? It says in, in verse 13, Tatnai and this other guy and their colleagues complied at once the command of King Darius. Mm-hmm. And they were greatly encouraged by this, greatly encouraged. And it's very specific. It says the temple was completed on March 12th during the sixth year of King Darius's reign or Darius's reign. Now, I want to go back to one little phrase in uh, chapter 6, verse 7. It says, Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be built on its original site. Yep. Now, what, why that's important is that you know this was the temple... Um, this temple that actually gets built here remains for almost 600 years until the time of Christ, until A.D. 70 when Titus, the Roman general, comes and he knocks it over. Okay, So that was the original temple from Solomon's days. So when Jesus goes into the temple, it's actually built on the temple, temple the physical foundation. terra firma, the physical earth, mm-hmm. the physical foundation of where Solomon's temple was built. And to me, that's very, very significant because it's actually the same physical location. And that's why today they argue so much about the temple complex because today in Israel, you know, you've got the Muslims who say, this is our holy place, and the Jews say, no, this is our holy place. But it's more significant, you know, for the Jewish people because that's actually where they believe Solomon's temple physically was at. And there's coming a day when it will be rebuilt. 
The book of Revelation tells us that, that it will be rebuilt, and it will be rebuilt likely on that same exact site. And, And so you think about that. I mean, so technically, if you were to go to Israel today and you were to walk through the streets and visit the temple complex, I've never been. I was going to get a chance to, but then COVID happened in 2020, so my trip got delayed. But nonetheless, you could actually be walking or touching the same bricks and things that the Masons prepared back in Solomon's day when they were building the temple. I mean, that's amazing, that's amazing. That is amazing isn't it? To, to be able to touch and to feel that. I mean, that, I mean that's some 2,000, more than 2,000 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just wanted to point that out because it's very specific several times. Even the, even the, um, uh, the altar was built on the original site, again, because it's significant for the nation of Israel. Um, uh, about that specific site, and, and thankfully, and they'll offer sacrifices yeah. and all again. Yeah, yeah. Now, thankfully, today we don't have to have a specific site where we worship God. We can worship God anywhere, and that's because uh, of Jesus. It's in our hearts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. thankful. So, at the end of chapter six, um, you have uh, the celebration of the Passover, which happens, and some other things that happen that come along, which is which is really really good. And uh, so for a period of time here, they are um, um, doing well. I mean, the temple's rebuilt now. Now they can begin to do um, worship and start doing the things they've always done. And they celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There was great joy. Um, They were able to rebuild the temple of God. But there's still something going that's not right. Yeah, yeah. Still the walls are not built. And that comes up in Nehemiah's. Yep, yep. And it's interesting. I found it was interesting in all of this read that it shares that the Lord roused the spirit. Mm. Yes, yes. He roused the spirit of Cyrus, uh, that he would allow these people to go back and everything. And then uh, we find over in Haggai that he, uh, he roused the spirit of Zerubbabel. Yep. And he uh, he continually prods us as we go through life, you know, to do to do his will. Yeah, will. and so it's important for us to be listening, listening. to hit the prodding. Yeah. Um, I mean, he set everything. He he basically set the table mm-hmm. for them to come back into worship, and they did. It took them a little bit, like you say, a little bit of prodding, but I think they got the message. But, you know, far be it from us to not listen to the message that God gives to us yeah. or to be deaf or can't hear it or be in a place where we can't hear it or have sin in our life that prevents us from, from hearing it. Um, and so that's, that's, that's really, really important. Um, now, we don't have, really have a whole lot of time. We just have a few minutes left um, because what happens is that between Esther chapter 6, and the end of chapter 6, and the beginning of chapter... Did I say Esther? Ezra, I'm sorry. (laughs) At the end of chapter 6 of Ezra, and then the beginning of chapter 7 of Ezra, if you want to fit in between that time block, the book of Esther, Mm -hmm. okay? So when it says in chapter 7, verse 1 of Ezra, it says, many years later, okay? Mm -hmm. So many years later is like some 80 years later. Mm -hmm. So between chapter 6 and chapter 7 you're going to read the book of Esther because the events of the book of Esther happened during that time frame. And then we'll come back to Ezra chapter 7. That's how it'll work. So Esther is, is um, um, uh, again, it's placed in here um, chronologically. And, and Esther, to me, also is another example of 
the enemies of God trying to destroy the Jewish people, trying to prevent them, just like all these other enemies here that we've read through in Ezra mm -hmm. are trying to prevent. Mm -hmm. And Esther is one grand narrative, one grand story about one specific time when the same thing happened again. This time, however, the hero is a woman. Is, is, mm -hmm. is a lady, yeah. and she steps in just like other ladies from the past as well and helps save the day. And uh, the story of Esther is a great story. And the most interesting thing, though, I find about Esther is that the name of God is never mentioned, never mentioned. in the entire book. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, why would they even include that in the Bible? Well, obviously, God is behind the scenes. You know, He is there on every page. I think we see from uh, Genesis, it, it says uh, that if you go against my people, yeah. You'll be cursed. And uh, we find that also in Psalms 122. And uh, I think we find there that uh, Haman, he went against God's people. He wanted them all destroyed. Man. And we see what happened to him. Yeah, and how things turned around to him. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of continue that discussion for Esther for next week because our time is gone. So, um, And Esther is a story we can kind of condense down because it's one big story, and, and a lot of us see it that way. But don't uh, don't stop reading it because there's always new truth. There's always new treasures you can find. In fact, maybe you can find it. I'll challenge you. The longest verse in the Bible is in the book of Esther. Mm -hmm. See if you can find it in the book of Esther and then write it down and, uh, and mark it. And I'll tell you next week what that is. But that's all the time we have for this week. So next week we'll finish out um, Esther. Then we'll come back to Ezra chapter 7 and finish out the rest of Ezra. And then we got Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Eventually he's oh, going to come. That's a great book too. Yeah. Because once the temple complex is built and finished, but now it's left open to the enemies, enemies. more enemies. It yeah. seems like enemies, 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 more enemies to destroy. And Nehemiah hears, hey, the wall. Nobody's built the wall. Nobody's, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And so God also impresses upon Nehemiah's heart the same yeah. thing, to rouses go, rouses his spirit, mm -hmm. to go rebuild. So listen to the rousing of the spirit. That's a good West Virginia slang, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the rousing of the spirit. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. If you have any questions, uh, don't forget to send them to BibleReading at lmbc.org, and we'll be glad to answer those questions via email or answer them live in the podcast if it's part of our podcast. So keep on reading. Hopefully we've explained a little bit. It's a big story, but we're going we're gonna, to um, go through Ezra, Esther, Nehemiah, Haggai, all through the, uh, the month of September. So enjoy your reading, and uh, we'll see you next week.